Is a God in the house? Do I have some men with a new attitude? Can I get in your face? All right. So uh, we talked about last night being sons of God and knowing our identity, and we talked last night about having a new attitude. And one of the things that a new attitude has, or a more excellent attitude, or a different spirit has, is uh, what some people would label a brown noser. What do you call the dudes? What do you call the dudes that did this in class? Sat in the front row. What do you call them? Teacher's pet. Brown nosers. <laughs> but let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Men who carry an attitude, men who carry a different spirit, men who, who are here to possess what God has given them, find themselves as close to the front as they can possibly be. So let me challenge you. They tell you don't do this, and you guys have filled, filled it in, but I want to see the front rows filled. It's, if you want to learn... If your spirit is ready to learn, come and fill a seat that's closer to the front. Don't sit in the back. Don't sit in the back. So listen, I want to I take a, just a couple minutes to, to honor some people here today. Uh, first of all, I want to honor you. I want to honor the sons of God in the house this morning. Because you have chosen to not do what other people invited you to do, not what other people told you you should do, not what you routinely do. You, you have chosen to honor God and to step into and press into something. And I want to honor you for making a commitment to do that today. I want to honor you for paying the price to be here. And I trust that the things that you receive are going to far outweigh the price that you paid. Already they have, but I trust that it's going to be even more. I also want to honor uh, some other people. Listen, about a year ago, we sat in a room, and uh, we wrote a vision out of some stuff that we believe God was showing us. You can, go, you can go back in the room and see it. Not this weekend, but some other time. Go back in the room, you'll see it's a couple pieces of paper in there. And on that was a, was a number. Like we said, we want to see a men's conference in western New York, and that it would be regional. It wouldn't just be New Covenant, but it would be a men's conference. And the first number that went on that piece of paper was 200. We're just at about 200 guys. For this conference. Now, we also like very quickly changed the number to 500. And so I want to honor you for being a part of the, the first 200 and being part of the ones that are going to see the 500 and the thousand. And the people that are going to, the men that are going to come with us on the journey. But I want to say this this is a dream for me. This is a dream fulfilled, it's the beginning of a dream fulfilled. And this doesn't happen all by itself. There's a lot of people that have done a lot of work to be here. There's some, some guys that have just done incredible work in terms of tech to just volunteer their time to make sure that we had lights on and sound and things projected, that you'll have these pieces of paper. There's, there's women serving us here this weekend who are, who are, who are weeping and wailing in a good way because they're so excited about what God's doing in, in you all because it's a dream fulfilled for them. And so I'm, I just want to honor every person that has invested in speaking into this, in serving in this, and making this be possible, because this could not happen. And I know I've, I've gotten a chance to just look some of you guys in the eyes and just say thank you. Guys who are running the, the events later on today, thank you. But if, you do, if I don't get to do that, you need to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm just 
absolutely thrilled to see what God, God is doing. So I want to give you just a little bit of context. What are we, what are we doing here? Some people uh, have said, hey, I don't even know what I am for is. Why do we call this I am for? You are going to discover uh, this morning and this afternoon why we call this I am for. It's prophet, priest, king, and warrior. These are roles that God has given to men for us to uh, have in the earth, and you're going to discover some general things. Somebody asked me, uh, a young lady in the church asked me, she was talking to uh, a young man and, and invited him to the conference, and he didn't have a lot of context, and she said, what should I tell him? Like, what should he expect? And I said, just tell him this, that every man is created uh, with a purpose in the earth, and they have a specific purpose, but there's also general purposes for all men. And as we gather around and discover what those general purposes, those general callings, those general offices are, as we understand what they are and we step into them, we start to discover our very specific purposes. So today is going to be about introducing you to the general purposes of prophet, priest, king, and warrior. How many of you in here are students? You, you just, you're learners. How many of you, like, before last night, you would say, hey, I'm not a learner? Be honest. How many of you would say, like, I'm not, I'm not a classroom dude? All right, guess what? Today you're going to be a classroom, dude. Just say, I'm here to learn. Say it. I'm here to learn. You are going to get some stuff today and start to kind of press into it. And the reason why we talked about what we talked about last night was to prepare you to kind of jump onto this. And so uh, you got sheets in front of you. There's fill in the blanks. Uh, There's going to be answers, I think, up on the screen so that you can see what we're talking about and fill stuff in. This is going to give us common language. How many of you know if we're moving somewhere, it's really helpful to have common language? Right? It's helpful to understand. Like what, When we say prophet, what do we mean by prophet? If five guys know what we mean by prophet, great. But if 500 guys know what we mean by, mean by prophet and 500 guys can function in that together, we can continue to discover what that is. Here's the great part about it. We're going to get some common language today, but these are not things we ever get done growing in. And so, so some of us are like way down the path on this already. Some of us are just discovering it. Great. We're all going to grow in it. I'm going to grow in it today. I'm going to grow in it today. You going to grow in it today? All right, we're going to grow in it today. So pull out your uh, sheets. We're going to give you some breaks. We're going to talk for a bit, but we're going to give you some breaks. I just want to read this. This is, uh, Joe, thank you for this book. It's called The Company of the Committed. I I opened it yesterday, and I saw this this paragraph, and I want to read it to you. Uh, You need to read Old Dead Guys. Like, everybody wants to buy the newest book by the newest author, the guy that's wearing the fresh sneakers and running the big church and all that kind of stuff. Here's the problem. Those guys sometimes fail. <laughs> and we, and I'm, I'm not saying don't read their stuff. I'm not saying don't, like, sometimes the stuff they got is really good, even when they do fail. But the truth, but the, the great part about old dead guys is they're done. And they, they tapped into some crazy stuff. So this, the, this guy, uh, he's got a great name, Elton Trueblood. He said this, as we study carefully the strategy employed by Christ, we're forced to conclude that the crucial step was that by which disciples were turned into apostles. Apostles simply mean sent ones. And so today, we are being discipled. We're learning today. But if we stop at learning today, we've missed the transition that Jesus made. This is what we're talking about. It was necessary, of course, to have disciples first, because there had to be some reservoir of human resources on which to draw before the actual penetration of the world could begin. Christ started by the individual enlistment of modest men in his little company, devoting himself largely to their training and to their discipline. This is not very surprising since many others, including Socrates, have had disciples. 
A disciple is a student or a follower, and if Christ had merely disciples, his position in this regard would not have been radically different from John the Baptist. What is different is that all of the disciples in Christ's company were potential apostles or ambassadors. Turn your name and say, you're an ambassador. Listen to this. They were enlisted, not that they might share in a separated fellowship, such as the Essene community associated with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but that they might become the fellowship of penetration of the ordinary world. You have been called to this place to be discipled, but if you just have come here to learn and don't shift from disciple to apostle to sent one to ambassador, you have missed the point that Jesus Christ has called you. He has, he has brought you into this place as a sent one. Don't ever give up your position as disciple. You should be a lifelong learner. That is what we are here to do today. You should, and it's not a quest for knowledge. It's a quest for experience and walking in the dust of your master. As he walks, wherever he goes, you're walking with him. You're experiencing everything that is available to you in his presence. But you know that it's not just about that. That at some point he says, and now go. Now go and represent me to the world. That's what Pastor Ivy was talking about last night when he said, you are the answer when you walk in the room because you've been sent by Jesus, filled with his spirit and with his authority. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about profit. And I'm going to hope to do this right. Uh, Pastor Ivy, I am so honored uh, that you would allow me to speak into this movement here. Like, like you, guys, you guys do this. I'm not being self-deprecating, but you guys, you guys have this down. You guys have this down. You do it so well. I'm just honored to be here, and I'm, I'm just excited to be able to speak into this today. So thank you for, for trusting me with this. We're going to talk about what it means to be a prophet. There's often confusion about what it means to be a prophet, or around the word prophet. Like some of us, it's income, loss, expenses, profit, that kind of a deal. But that's not what we're talking about, right? Like you're like, yo, give me the, give me the deal. I want to make some more money. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Sorry. That's, well, never mind. I was going to make a bad joke. Uh, if we're going to talk about being a prophet, there are people who will call you crazy if you call yourself a prophet because of experiences that they've had with prophets. Like, how many of you come from a Pentecostal charismatic background? You know what I'm saying? And the Lord says to you, you know what I'm saying? If it doesn't have that with it, it's like, you're not a prophet. <laughs> or you're, you're like, I've had way too many experiences with the Lord says to you people, and... Um, I don't know what they were doing, but I don't think that was prophetic. And so we, we think of this, we, we, we have a misunderstanding about what it means to be a prophet. We have misexperiences with it, or sometimes we just elevate it too high. Like we, there's people around us that really do have, have a uh, function with what the Lord is saying, and they've been called a prophet, and, and we say, that's good for you, that's a gifting that you have, and that has nothing to do with me, that's just something that somebody has in our church. Or that lady with the blue hair. Y'all got him. If we start calling ourselves prophets, some of us are going to say, I don't, know, I don't know what that's about because people are going to doubt my credibility in this. Like, what if, what if I get it wrong? And it, it intimidates us to talk about it. We're going to talk about what it means to be a prophet. Hebrew, it's from a Hebrew root meaning for, to bubble forth as from a fountain. A prophet proclaimed the message given to him by God. It bubbled forth from them. Literally, and you can write this down, it's the first blank. A prophet is a spokesman for God. A prophet speaks by God's name and by his authority. He is the mouth 
by which God speaks to men. And so, so what a prophet says is not what man says, it's what God says. Gentlemen, understand this. If you understand nothing else from what we're talking about this morning, you are prophets because you have been given the ability to hear your dad's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they won't hear the voice, they won't believe the voice of another. You can hear what God says. Some of you need to just believe that. And if you can hear what he says, then you're qualified to speak what he says into the earth. And if you're really confused about it, just start here. Like, just open it up. Don't do what they tell you to do, but do what, do what like, just... I'm looking for it. Yep, there's something in here. Oh, it's, all, it's about Ahab. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I got to get the context real quick. <laughs> so anyways, that didn't really work. So just <laughs> go to, let's just start with one that's easier. Go to Proverbs, just pull it out and find out what God says. How about this? Proverbs 22.1. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. I just prophesied to you. I just took what God said and I said, hey, listen, today choose a good reputation over riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. You have a word that you can now take and proclaim over your family, proclaim over your children, proclaim over your work, proclaim over yourself. You just became a prophet of God because you found out what he said and you're able to declare. We could actually end the session right now, but I want to give us some common understanding to go. All right. So um, prophets in the world are the immediate organs of God for, to communicate his mind and his will to men. So why does it intimidate us? Because if we think about being a prophet, men often do this. We think there's a thousand things that we got to figure out, hoops we got to jump through if we're going to fulfill this role. I want to assure you today, you are more qualified right now than you think you are. You are more qualified right now than you think you are. Uh, I was trying to figure out a better way to do this. I got these notes uh, from Pastor JP, and I honor him for these notes. I was trying to figure out a better way to communicate this because he, he's going to talk about Nick Saban, who's the coach of Alabama. Um, but I, I, I was trying to like research, can we apply this to the Buffalo Bills, and, and it just doesn't work, but I'm just going to do I'm going to use his notes. All right, so everybody know, who Alabama, know Alabama football here? Okay, so some of us know. Alabama is number two right now? Number two right now. They've been number one for almost like five years straight. And Nick Saban is their coach, and he's a boss when it comes to coaching. Uh, if Nick Saban wanted to hire you as defensive coordinator, there's one thing that he's looking for in his defensive coordinator. He's not looking for a brilliant dude. He's looking for somebody who's obedient. He says, I want you to just do what I tell you to do. Some of you, some of you don't think you'd be qualified to be defensive coordinator for number one football team, number two football team, college football team in America, Right? But how many of you know that if you could just do, like, if you could just be a mouthpiece for the dude and just do what he said, if he said, all you got to do is obey me, all you got to do is do, say what I say, and we're going to get this done, I just need somebody else to repeat it, that you'd be qualified to work for him. 
That's literally what God is doing. He's looking for people with, with, he wants to give authority to to speak on his behalf. That's simply what a prophet is. This is the role of a prophet. With no special skills or training, prophets are recruited and put into service in God's kingdom. God is simply looking for men who are obedient and ready to listen. It's it. That's, it's, it's really just that stinking simple. Y'all are writing, so I'm going to give you a minute to fill it in. Scripturally, let's, I just want to give you, and you can, you can fill these in. I think you, you, you have spaces for them. Here are the three basic things that make up the role of a prophet. Am I, am I, too, am I too low here? Am I too? You guys with me? All right. You got some coffee in you? All right, let me tell you this. Uh, like, we don't, we, we call this the sanctuary. We call this the worship center. We call this, I don't know, we, there's a thousand different names for this. It's just a room that we meet in, so bring your coffee in. Okay. Like, there's a, there's a coffee stain. Actually, there's like five coffee stains over here because this is where I sit. Uh, we bought carpet towels that we can pull up and put down. So bring your coffee in here. Like, try not to spill it, but like, like whatever you need to do to, 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 to get, if, you, if you're tired, stand up, man. Just stand up. I'll get encouraged by that. I'll think you're like getting Holy Spirit. And you, just, just stand up. Whatever you got to do to keep yourself engaged and learning it today. But we're going to try to keep it fun as well. We'll give you some breaks. So the first thing is this. We need to understand that God speaks through the voice of the prophets. God speaks through the voice of the prophets. Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 19 says this. I will raise up for thee a prophet like you from among the brethren, and they will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. A prophet speaks or God speaks through the voice of a prophet. Listen, we, we see um, around the world uh, s- some pretty crazy phenomena happening. Uh, in the Muslim world, I'm told that, that all over the Muslim world, people are having visions and dreams of Jesus, literally coming to them in their dreams saying, I am Jesus, follow me. But I want to tell you that is unusual in the earth. Like the Apostle Paul, we have it recorded in the book of Acts, was knocked off his horse and blinded and encountered Jesus himself, right? But that is rare in the earth. We are all kind of sitting around waiting for that to happen. Like, Jesus, would you just, and he's saying, would you just? He's saying, it's your voice that I'm going to use to speak for me. He is looking for men who will speak and use their voice. Second thing is this, God reveals his plans to the prophets. God reveals his plans to the prophets. Amos 3.7 says this, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. You know, God has created you to be in on his plans. And sometimes we think like, oh, I gotta get mystical. I gotta go sit on a, in a monastery somewhere and meditate for five years for him to tell me to, you know, marry the girl that I'm in love with. Uh, I want to tell a story. I know, I know a dude who was looking for a sign that God wanted him to marry the girl that he, he was seeing. And they were driving together and he asked the Lord for a sign and he looked up in the clouds and he saw the clouds formed a Y.
and the Lord gave me a sign. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. Listen, guys, it's, it's not that hard. God loves to reveal his secrets and his mysteries to you. But here's the thing. Sometimes we elevate the secret and the mystery past what's plain in front of us. Listen, what you're going to get this morning and this afternoon is just the plain truth about God's plans for you. And sometimes we need to just stop and say, uh, instead of going like deep and into fresh and into like some crazy stuff, like I need the, the specifics, we need to just know the general stuff. We need to just start stepping into it, right? Literally what you're receiving today is God's prophetic word for you for your life. So receive it and start to step into it. These are God's plans. He's revealing his plans to you. You're going to come away from this conference equipped as a prophet to declare God's plans for men in the earth. God reveals his plans to the prophets. The third thing is this. God uses prophets to lead and protect his people. Hosea 12, 13. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet, he was preserved. Prophets are leaders. Prophets are leaders. God uses prophets to lead and to protect his people. We talked about this last night in the garden. Adam gave up his prophetic role to just say something. If he would have said something, he could have led and protected the only two people on the earth, himself and his wife. Right? God uses prophets to lead and protect his people. God has called you into this prophetic role so you can lead and protect the people that God has given you. Your wife, your children, the people that work for you, the people that are under your care. God has anointed you to do this. So the first thing on your prophet job description is this. It's to listen and hear God's voice. To listen and hear God's voice. Before you can deliver God's message to God's people, you have to clearly hear him speaking. And here's what I know. I know lots of men struggle with that. Lots of men struggle with that. I just, I just, I just don't know what he's saying clearly. I just, don't know, I, I just don't know what he's saying clearly. Listen, let's talk about how we can hear clearly because there's things that affect the hearing of a man. How many of you ever had a conversation with your wife and you realized halfway through the conversation you were not listening to her? <laughs> Some of you guys like hands up, double hands up, right? Or how many of you are talking to your wife and you realize halfway through the conversation she is not listening to you, right? Sometimes we, we just don't know how to listen because we're distracted, right? Like somebody's talking and, and that, like, I, I believe that... Uh, you know, the, the, the scroller on the news or the scroller on ESPN is like the devil's tool to get us disengaged from our families and from our wives, right? Because you could, you could be in a restaurant so engage, supposed to be engaging with your wife and talking with her about the deep things of God, and yet your mind is like just that little scroller. I can just, if I just, I watch that, and your eyes roll back, and your wife, your wife can tell. But there's things that affect our hearing. And so let's talk about what affects our hearing. Music affects our hear- hearing. <laughs> so I got, a, I got a story for you. When I was a, a junior in high school, junior in high school, um, we went to a, a conference, and it was Ron Luce Teen Mania. How many, how many remember Ron Luce Teen Mania? That dude was crazy. He, he anyways, not, not enough of you know to talk about it. Anyways, we're at this conference, and he's challenging us to step up into what God's called us to. And here's what he challenged us to. He said, would you give up secular music for a year? And I want to I tell you that I stood up and was like, yeah, first guy in the, in, you know, I'm going to do it. But I sat, and I watched my best friend stand up. And I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. 
Now, that, listen, sometimes the person next to you needs you to stand up. And sometimes we're ashamed that we weren't the first people to do it. If somebody else stands up and God's moving on you, stand up next to him. Take courage in the man that did that or be the one to take the courage to do that. Anyways, my friend stands up, he does it. But I took it seriously. I stood up and I, for an entire year I did not listen to secular music. Now, I wasn't a jerk. Like when I was riding around with my friends and they were listening to whatever, I wasn't like, hey, turn that off. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like walk through, through you know, restaurants and, and you know, grocery stores going, I'm not, I'm not listening to it. But like whatever I chose to put into my heart was worship music. And it was a, it was a really good year. It was a really good year. And when that year ended, I decided, hey, like I can start listening to secular music again. So, so being the really, you know, powerful man that I was, I decided to listen to, to um, the soft rock station. I'm just going to ease my way into the, into the secular stuff. And I, I remember it was, it was fall, because the conference was in the fall, so it's a fall a year later. And I remember standing in my bedroom. It was, it was in the bedroom that you guys, where's, where's my guys, where's Wojo's guys? I was in the bedroom you guys slept in last night. I was looking out that window. It was about this time of year. The fall leaves were falling. The rain was coming down. And I was listening to the soft rock station. And I just got in this mode where I was like, mm, I need a girlfriend. I deserve a girlfriend. If I don't have a girlfriend, I'm going to be depressed. But it's raining outside. And the leaves are falling, so I, I can have a girlfriend and be depressed. And, like, my mind just started going all kinds of crazy places. From a soft rock station. Like, it changed the way that I thought about what I deserved. Music has the ability to affect us this way. It's not about the volume of what we do. Like, some people come in here on Sunday mornings and we play happy, happy music, crazy happy music. And they're like, um, pastor, it's really loud. I'm like, good. Maybe it'll blast some of that melancholy out of you. <laughs> can, I tell you a, can I tell you a secret for my sound guys? They said, what do I do with everybody that tells me it's too loud? Just say thank you. <laughs> I just got you guys a whole lot less comments. But it's not about the, the loudness. It's about the message or the meaning of the song. We need to be careful what we listen to because what we listen to and the music that we listen to will change our perceptive, not just about what we think we deserve, but about what we hear. TV and movies. TV and movies. What do I spend time watching? TV and movies will affect the way we think. I remember growing up, whenever we watched Karate Kid, we, spent, we, set, a, we set a big cabin tent up in my parents' yard and that was our dojo. And we'd tie whatever cloth we could find around our heads. And we'd just start kicking and punching each other for the entire day. Because we watched a movie of guys that kicked and punched each other. And you could still quote lines from that movie with my brothers. And we'll just throw them out because we watched that stuff. It affected who we are. Listen, my parents, my parents understood this. They were so gracious to me. They were so good to me. Uh, we watched Top Gun growing up. Probably like three times a day during the summer. Like, I still got lines like, Slider, you stink. You know what I'm talking about. If you watch a movie, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, what were you doing? We were keeping up foreign relations, right? You know what? I'm, my brother's laughing because we watched it. I, 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 I could quote that. I didn't even know what it meant. It didn't even know what it meant. But here's the thing. My parents were so gracious to me. They, they gave us the TV version. Like, my mom sat and recorded it for us and recorded it and turned it off when the, like, 
when the commercials came on and then turned it back on. So we had a TV version, but it was even more edited than that. There were a couple scenes cut out even from the television version that she didn't, that she didn't have. And I remember at one point, uh, I was a grown man. I said, hey, let's watch Top Gun. And I put it on, and there was a scene, and I didn't even know it was in the movie. It was ex- and it was exciting. <laughs> but here's the thing. Those, the things that we put in front of our eyes affect our ability to hear what God's saying. And so we got to be careful. We got to be discriminating. We got to be discerning. I'm not talking about avoiding R-rated movies. I showed my son, my nine-year-old son, an R-rated movie last week. We watched Last of the Mohicans, and he punched his man card. Because my son is, is a Mohawk an Oneida Indian. And he needs to know that he, in his heritage is tomahawk throwing and hatching people up and scalping people and running in the woods and wearing a loincloth and doing all those things that men do. I worked it, I worked it back in, man. We're going to talk about loincloths a bunch. Listen, by the way, we're going to do some tomahawk throwing later today. And the prize, listen, you're going to want to be a part of these things. Just take a minute. You're going to want to be a part of these things. The prize for the tomahawk throwing is two one-pound Wagyu steaks. You know what Wagyu is? It's, it's American Kobe beef. It's expensive. These two steaks cost $60. $60. This is, this is beef. You don't have to cook to eat it. You can just slice it thin and eat it raw. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's that good. It's that quality. The prize for the tomahawk throw is those two steaks. But you're going to go up against my son, who is Mohawk in Oneida. And when he wins those stakes for, for us, we're going to slice him and eat him in front of you. No, you're going to want to do this. We got prizes like, um, I think there's like cheese. I think there's a, a gift card to Dick's. I think there's, a, um, there's birch beer. Um, there's a... There's just a bunch of really good stuff. You're going to want to be a part of these things when we do them later because uh, you're going to want to win those prizes. But we need to be careful what we put into ourselves. My son, I, like I'm discriminating with what I let him watch, but there's some stuff he needs to watch. And it's not the world's designation of rated R or rated whatever that tells me if he should watch or not. It's not when I pull up on my, on my phone and say, let's see what's in here. Let's see what, you, you, you got some tools. You got some tools that the world has given us. IMDB is not a Christian organization, but you can go on there and there's a parent's guide. It'll tell you what's in there. So before you decide to look at it or show it to somebody else, pull it up and look at it. See what it says. Be discerning about what you put in front of you and decide to not put things in front of you that will degrade your ability to hear so that you can be the prophet that God has called you to be. Books and magazines. What am I reading? What am I reading? (laughs) Oh, it's not a big deal. I only read on the toilet. Listen, some of you need to develop a reading habit that occurs off the toilet. What's that? Oh, uh, every man needs to develop a reading habit. Thank you, brother. Every man needs to develop a reading habit that is not exclusive to the bathroom. Like, anybody ever see Big, Big John's Bathroom Reader? It's a big, thick book. Listen, if that's all the wisdom you ever get, you're missing a bunch of wisdom, man. It's, it's fun to read, but it's not all there is to read. And so we need to develop a habit that when we, like, we're not only reading sports stuff. If all you ever talk about is sports, you got a problem reading and watching. I know guys that that will read all kinds of crazy stuff. We need to pay attention to what we're reading. What you allow, you approve of. 
What you allow in front of you, what you allow into your heart is what you approve of. Let's be careful with our books and our magazines or our friends. How about this? This is where we get a little, gets a little dicey. There's, uh, there's really smart people that tell us this, that at, be- at best, you can become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. At best, you can become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. What does that mean? I want you to write down the five guys that you are closest to, the five guys. Write their names down right now. Can we get real? You don't have to show anybody this sheet. If the dude's sitting next to you, just kind of cover it up. And I want you to, I want you to grade them in terms of, of their, their let's, just, let's, let's make it spiritual and to be easy because you could, you could grade them on a hundred different things. But let's just say their ability to hear God's voice. We're talking about being a prophet. Their ability to hear God's voice and their, and their willingness to speak what God says. Let's just grade them on that. 100 to 1. 100 is they're killing it. They hear God every day. They're always telling you what God's saying. One being, like I ain't never heard them say anything about God. Write down numbers. Write down numbers. It's worth it just to take a minute to do this, do this exercise. Anybody got a schedule on them? Thank you. Thank you. All right, you got your five guys, you got numbers? Are you still thinking? All right, just, it's worth it, take a minute, write them down. Now, any math whizzes in the house? If you're not a math whiz, pull your phone out. Average the numbers. In this area or any other area, you can only grow to be the average of the five guys you spend the most time with. Listen, there's a reason why I like to spend time with this dude. There's a reason why I asked him to come here to this region and to unleash this stuff. I was talking with my son about this this morning. You have a unique gift in the earth to take language of heaven and make it understandable to men. And not understandable, but multiplying. And so I was talking with my son this morning about this, and and we were talking about sometimes not having words for what God's doing. Like you want to lead, but you just don't know that you have the words. You want to express them, but you don't have the words. Listen, you're a gift to me because I, I, I see that you do that really well. And you know how sometimes you have something burning in your heart and somebody else says it, and you're like, yo, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. But you, ha- you couldn't come up with it? One of the reasons why I have you in my life is because you do that for me. You're, you're 100 on that in my life because I, want, because I want to be 100 on that. And so I'm looking for guys that when we talk, our language just starts popping between each other. It's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, that's in my heart. Because I want to be able to take what's in my heart and I want to deliver it. I want to hear what God says and I want to apply it in such a way that I don't use a bunch of big words that messes people up and they go away and say, man, that guy's really smart, but I had no idea what he said. I want what God says through me to be useful to people. And so I, so I find guys like that. I want to put myself in a room with hundreds, right? But see, if we spend all of our time with guys that are, are low, just in the prophetic or whatever, we're going to find ourselves at an average of that. We need to be careful The question is, who's bringing my score down? 
What kind of people do I hang around? Listen, there's two responsibilities that you have here. It's, it's to understand who are you hanging around, but it's also to understand what's your score. Some of you need to raise the score because there's guys around you that need a better score from you. And I'm not talking about performance. I'm just talking about being excellent in what you do. Applying yourself. Saying, I'm going to be a benefit to the people around me. I'm going to help them along the way. I'm going to make sure that they get what God wants to give them. And I'm going to be a part of that. And the other one is mentors. Who have I given permission to speak into my life is the question. God gives us mentors. Who have I given permission to speak into my life? You, you may not think you have done this, but you have probably silently given permission to people. There are people that when they say something, it matters to you. I remember uh, the first time, Pastor, you were here, uh, we were sitting out in that hallway, and I said, listen, man, anything you see in my life that you want to address, like address, and you said, we're probably going to have to spend some more time together for me to hear what's coming out of your mouth. And I'm just so grateful that we've been able to walk together. I've spent some time and some opportunities with you where you could speak into my heart and my life. And I'm going to keep approaching those. I want guys like him in my life. I want elder brothers. I want fathers in my life. Listen, there are people that you have given permission to, but it's time to be a little more purposeful in it. I, I have the privilege of having access to a dad that hears from God all the time. And so I, I make it my practice, not every day, but often, to either call him or when I see him, say, Dad, what's the word of the Lord for today? What's God saying? Sometimes it's just ridiculous. He'll say, drink more coffee. And I'm like, all right. But you know what? Usually he's right. <laughs> the Lord's been telling him to drink some more coffee this morning. And he had to, he, God gave him that word. God said, drink another cup so you can be ready for what you got today. And I asked him what the word of the Lord for was for today, and he, off, he says, drink more coffee, he offers me an espresso, and I needed it, right? Could it, could it just be that plain and simple? But sometimes it's like, it's like, it's mind-blowing stuff. I mean, like, right for what I'm going to walk into in the next two hours. He's got something from the Lord for me. God has given you people that will do that for you. You just got to be humble enough and intentional enough to seek them out and say, give me something. Give me something. But the, the problem is most men are too proud to do that. Sons of God are not too proud. You're sons of God. Men with a different spirit, with a different attitude, are not too proud. They're looking to hear what God says. They're looking to find Joshua's and Moses's. They're looking to be faithful to the mentors that God has given them to do what they ask. And listen, sometimes it's just like the karate kid. It's just like Mr. Miyagi. Your mentor says, hey, I want you to wax on, wax off. And you're like, you, you've all seen the movie, right? I'm, okay. He says, I want you to paint the fence. He want, I want you to sand the floor. I want you to paint the house. And you're like, I don't understand what you're telling me to do. Listen, just do it. Because at some point, the men that God has given you in your life to lead you are leading you into a place where there's discovery that's coming. And I think this is a word for somebody or some people in the house this morning. Some of you have just, it's just time to just do what somebody else tells you to do. Like a leader. Like not a neighbor. Don't go to your neighbor and be like, hey, what should I do today? Not your employees, right? Not your kids, and actually kind of not your wife. 
Like you need to find a mentor, a leader in your life and say, what should I do today? And if he says drink more coffee, drink more coffee. If he says shine your shoes, shine your shoes. If he says get a haircut, get a haircut. If he says take your wife on a date, you take your wife on a date. If he says sell that crappy car and buy a new one. If he says get rid of that expensive car and buy one you can afford. Just do it. Who are the mentors in your life? Who have you given permission to speak in your life? All right, now that you've identified what's shaping your thoughts, just remember this. What you focus on becomes powerful. What you focus on becomes powerful. Science has, in recent years, has proven that what we spend our thought and time and energy on has a dramatic effect literally on our physical being. What you spend time thinking about will affect your physical being. If you think about depressing things, you are going to be. If you think about things that are lovely and pure and noble, what will you be? So, uh, uh, Jay Cannon, where are you at? Jay Cannon uh, is one of the guys in my life that just tells me stuff about me that I don't know. Mike Wing is another guy who tells me stuff about me that I don't know, and, or I don't believe yet. And uh, he, <laughs> So I'll just let you in on something. Uh, he, he tells me that I got a, a Conor McGregor strut. That every once in a while, like, I'll just get going, and he's like, you just got this, like, thing going. Why was I telling you that story? Because, oh, I got it. Because, because every once in a while, I'll be walking like this. And I'll remember... And I'll focus on, God hasn't called me to walk into a room. God hasn't called me to walk into this building. God hasn't called me to walk in front of my children, in front of my wife. God hasn't called me to walk through the supermarket. God hasn't called me to walk into a meeting at City Hall. God hasn't called me to walk into a meeting with other pastors. God hasn't called me to walk into a counseling session like this. God has called me to walk in head up. Listen, and when I say me, he's talking to you. God hasn't called us to walk into a room going, I hope I can figure out what's going on here. God's called us to walk into the room understanding that we are what? The answer, because why? We bring Jesus with us wherever we go. And if you bring Jesus with you wherever you go, you kind of walk around like Conor McGregor. So if you ever see me doing this, you know that I've been meditating on the word that my friend Jake has told me about who God has called me to be. And I'm going to walk into a room, like, that's just, like, that's a little stupid, but I'm going to walk into a room like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But listen, like, just to be really vulnerable with you, that's a process I've had to go through literally in the last year. I've walked, I, I, I have changed the way that I walk into this building. Every time I walk into this building, I understand that there are people that will be here that will need something from me prophetic. They need me to hear what God's saying and declare it. And I can't declare it with my head down. But listen, the same is true for you. There are environments that God has called you to be a prophet in. When you wake up in the morning, God has called you to speak something into your family, over your wife. Every single one of you. So what does it look like to just step into that? 
to understand I'm coming into this, to focus my heart and my mind on this. Here's what a psychology report says, that what you focus on will determine the parts of your brain that fire, wire, and strengthen. Then as those parts of the brain switch on and the neurons start firing, lasting connections will be made, strengthening memories, and influencing what the brain will attend to in the future, either positive or negative. So you, you can literally re rewire your brain. Did you know that? Uh, most of you haven't met my younger brother. I'll let you in on something. My younger brother is adopted, and uh, when he came to be part of our family, we didn't know this, but he has something called reactive attachment disorder. And what that simply means is this. When he was young, the people in his life that were supposed to care for him did not care for him well. He literally didn't have that, that interaction with his mother and with his father where he would smile and they would smile because he smiled. How many of you have kids? How many of you, when your kids were little, even now, when they smile, like something just comes over you and you smile back, right? That's a, that's a God-given response thing. Like, you should know this. When you smile, when you live out of God's joy, the Lord actually takes joy in that. And there's this, like, joy uh, circle that just keeps going back and forth, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength, and as the joy of the Lord is your strength, he's going to give you more joy because you're in his presence. You're experiencing his presence. What does his presence give us? Fullness of joy. Right? And, and we get strengthened. And it's, it's, it's just this building thing that happens. Well, that literally happens in children, and it didn't happen for him. And so l what it is, is is they say this, that there's, there's chemicals that are released in, in your brain when you drink from your mother's milk. There's a ton of sugar in that milk, and there's this face-to-face -face interaction. And eventually it becomes, I know that when, when, I'm, when I'm getting that sugar high and my mom's smiling at me, something's happening. And so there was a therapy that they gave my parents to do with my brother at like uh, 10, 11, 12 years old. They said, sit on a couch, put a pillow on your lap, put his head right on the pillow, feed him chocolate, smile at him, and tell him that you love him. Because it was, it, it's a technique to rewire his brain with sugar and smiles. Listen, and what he, because what he meditates on then becomes, and that's, that's a, like a microcosm of what God, God is saying about every single man. If you let your mind settle on self-criticism, self-loathing, pain, distress, stress, worry, fear, regret, guilt, these feelings and thoughts will shape your brain. It literally changes your brain chemistry and your ability to understand things. And you'll be more, more vulnerable to worry and depression and anxiety and more likely to notice the negatives in a situation and frame things in a negative way and be barreled off track by what could have or should have been done. How many of you ever watched Saturday Night Live? You ever remember, you, you, I mean, remember when it was good? Remember, De remember Debbie Downer? Like she'd just come into the room and she'd say something and it's go, she'd like look at the camera like, wah, wah, wah. Listen, some of you are Debbie Downers because you've wired your brain to be that way. Your wife comes home and says, hey, guess what? Billy got an A this week. And you're like, yeah, but it's not going to overcome the five Fs he got last week. You can't even see what's good in front of you. Or your, how about this one? Your wife looks at you with bread to her eyes. And you, in, and you interpret them as She's just tired and she doesn't want me to touch her. Because you can't see what's right in front of you. Or your boss comes and says, hey, I want to give you a promotion. Let's talk about what it will take to get you to the next level. And you're like, I don't know if I can do that. 
Because your brain has been wired to see the negative in it. God wants to wire your brain to the positive things. Prophets come in and they say, what the Lord is speaking is always redundant. Listen, I heard a teaching on this and it was so powerful to me and it's worth sharing. Um, If you face or encounter any situation, the Lord has something to say about it. Every single situation. Every situation that we face. And listen, every answer that the Lord has is redemptive. Every answer is redemptive. If the answer that you have to the situation you're facing is not redemptive, you do not have Jesus' answer. Did you catch that? So if the answer is not redemptive, stop and say, okay, what am I missing? Jesus, what's the redemptive answer in this? I'm not talking about like the positivity, just like putting on a good face. I'm talking, Jesus, what do you want to do to redeem this situation? On the other hand, if you focus on positive feelings and you frame situations with a tilt towards the positive, eventually your brain will take on and shape and reflect this. Hardwiring and strengthening connections around resilience, optimism, gratitude, positive emotion, and self-esteem. That's why as a prophet, it's crucial that we monitor what our mind and our heart is focusing on at all times. There's a part in this book, again, you need to order this, get it on Amazon, it's called Becoming Man, Ivy Marsh. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, you put it into practice. The prophet chapter breaks down how to study the Bible. We need to, this, this, this book is full of stuff to rewire your brain. That's why, that's why we meditate on it. That's why we put it deep into our hearts. That's why we don't just meditate on it and put it deep into our hearts, but we actually put it into practice. As a pastor, people are always coming to me with their issues. Right? Hey, pastor, can you help me figure this one out? Pastor, I need, I need some counseling. Pastor, will you tell, will you tell me what the Bible says? And I, I've developed this... Um, this uh, method of helping guys discover what God's saying by what, what do you think God's saying to you? And they're like, they look at me like, Pastor, that's your job. And listen, most of us pastors, we just like to talk a lot. Like a lot. Right? You're like, Pastor, shorten your messages, man. Listen, I could shorten my messages if you start hearing from God. But, but when you ask a pastor, oftentimes we just get into, well, I'll tell you the 15 things you need to do to change your life. But, some, but listen, I've learned to stop and just say, why don't you tell me what God's saying? Pastor, I don't know. Guess what? You can, so let's just wait for a minute. Let's ask him. Let's see what he's saying. And sometimes the stuff you come up with is really stupid. In my opinion. But in God's opinion, it's exactly what you need to do next. And so I've learned to shut up and stop being critical and celebrate what God's spoken to you as big or as little as I think it is and encourage you and equip you to just do what God said to do. Because you have the ability to hear what God's saying. It's not my job to hear for you. It is your job to hear. Because you're a prophet. Because God has called you to this office. God has, is speaking to you right now. He is never not speaking. He's always speaking. He's always talking. He's always got something to say to you. His word is literally sustaining your life right now. And you, some of us don't even realize it. His word is sustaining you. And so uh, I want you to know that you can have the ability to study the Bible. So the second part of a prophet's role is that of a teacher. That of a teacher. We're to teach our families first. You are the primary Bible teacher to your wife and your kids. 
How many of you that's super convicting? Listen, here's how I know that we're not doing it and that it doesn't matter that much to us because we don't have enough people to work with our kids. I don't know, you might be from another church and your church might be killing it in this area. You might be doing it. But if you refuse to make sure that you are part of and make sure that our kids here, just here are covered, what are you doing at home? You are the primary teacher of the word of God to your wife and to your children. What does that mean? You gotta actually open it and read it and meditate on it, understand what it says, know how to, know how to discern what the Lord's saying, but then you also gotta sit down with your wife and your kids and open it and read it. And tell them about it. Make sure they're, they're memorizing it with you. And applying it. Listen, they're not going to get enough from their Sunday school teacher. The, the flannel graph just ain't going to cut it. Some of you know what the flannel graph is. Listen, warrior boys here, if you don't know what that is and you're not part of our culture, we have this thing called warrior boys. It's, it's boss. It's legit. Your boys are learning something. But it's not enough. It's just simply not enough. We get them for an hour and a half a week. They're with you for a whole lot longer. Problem is, sometimes they only get about an hour of your time a week. And listen, I get it. When I'm tucking my kids in and we're talking about Jesus and we're praying and doing these things, sometimes I'm really tempted. I want to just kiss them and go down and spend some time with my wife. But it is worth it to make sure that they understand what prayer is and they may, that they understand what God is saying about them from you, their dad. For us, it's, it's at that tucking quiet time. So you are the primary Bible teacher to your families. We have to stop shirking this responsibility in our homes and the church. When does, something doesn't go like we wanted, sometimes it's because we've abandoned our ability and our calling. We're to teach other, not only our families, but we're to teach other men. It is our responsibility to teach other men. This is how you shape a culture of manhood. Pastor Ivy, this is the hardest thing, one of the hardest things, to bring a man out. The hardest thing. But what I'm looking at here is a group of 200 men that are being shifted right now in their understanding. I'm looking at a group of 200 men that when they walk out of here are willing to do some hard stuff. That are willing to be the men that shape the culture of manhood around them. Listen, if you get this, great. But if everybody in this room got this 100% and didn't share it with other men and bring other men along, then we're not going to shape the culture around us. Biblical manhood will not be restored in Western New York. And we could, we could sit around and have a really good time just patting each other on the back because we all got it. But I think it's bigger than us. I think it's bigger than this room. Nobody ever taught me is just an excuse. You say, Pastor Josh, you have a great dad and you have a family that taught you. Nobody did that for me. That's just an excuse. Even if we have not been taught well, God has brought you here. Look at the men around you. He has given you the men that are standing around you or sitting around you right now. 
so that you can be equipped to teach something to another man. You literally, like, what you've gotten last night and this morning is enough to start with. Like, just do something. Just teach something. We just, we're waiting until we're experts. Do you know the greatest way you'll grow in what God's given you is if you start to teach somebody right away? I am, I am putting the demand that God has put on you. God has given you something, so you better pass it on. I, I need it. The man next to you needs it. Let's start doing this. Even if we've not been taught while well, God's brought us here, he's literally our dad. He will literally give us what we need. He's given you men in your life to do this. Nobody ever taught me was not a legit excuse for not doing what God has called you to do as a prophet. God has called us to be prophets, me and every one of you, regardless, regardless of your age. Look at me, young men. You have something in you to teach. Sometimes old guys need to be reminded of what God has said. And sometimes it's the young guys that get it simply that tell us what God's saying. And we need you to do it. Young men, don't wait till you're older to start declaring this. Do it now. Do it now. My dad tells a story that when I was younger, uh, I came downstairs once and they were watching a movie and uh, my parents said, hey, Josh, like, you need to go back to bed. What we're watching is, is just is not good for, we don't, we don't want you to watch it. I said, why can't I watch it? They said, well, it's not good for little boys. And so I went back upstairs, and my dad says, I came back down five minutes later. I said, you know, I've been talking to God, and um, it, I got a question. If it's not good for little boys, why is it good for you? I don't remember this, so, like, I can tell this story. Um, but do you understand, sometimes God wants to speak to us. Young men, we, we've got something. If we're connected to God, we've got something. Listen, old guys in the room, some of you are buying the excuse, you're buying the lie that you are too old, you got nothing else to give. We need your voice. We need the voice of God through you. It's time to step into that. I don't care if you're too old. I don't care if you're too young. I don't care if you're too busy because you're in middle age and you've got five kids. Like, no one's too old. No one's too washed up. No one's too young. Like, if you just start with God, God's got something for you to do, regardless of your education. Listen, I did not go to Bible college. I got people working for me that have more Bible college than I do. So What? Listen, when I was in college, I did everything I could do to avoid public speaking. Like, I, I went to a professor once because he said, uh, if you don't want to present, you can give me a good case of why you don't want to present. Like, the, the last assignment in this uh, class, it was, a, it was a sweet class. It was on spying, like spycraft and espionage and black ops and stuff like that. It was a great class. And I, I, was, I was really excited to do my presentation, and I was hoping for a release of documents that I could study, and when I got the documents, they were half black, like, so there, I couldn't even write a good paper, right? So I did it on some, you know, action in Columbia or something that was, you know, 40 years old. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was just kind of really 
poor analysis of something that somebody had hashed over a hundred times. I didn't want to present it. And so he said, hey, if you don't want to present it, you just tell me why. And I told him, I don't want to present it. And I took a worse grade so I didn't have to present it just because I didn't want to do it. I did everything I could do to avoid public speaking. Because I didn't think I was good at it. Listen, your education, good or bad, does not affect your ability to be a prophet. Listen, I, I'd say this. Your Bible college might have negatively affected your ability to be a prophet. Because you spent so much time thinking about what other people say instead of what God says anyway. Or your church background. We don't, I don't come from a church where we recognize prophets. Oh, well. We, we have prophets at my church. Oh, well, well, I haven't been in the church that long. I don't have any church background. I don't even know what a prophet is. Well, you know now, so let's do it. Listen, he has called us all to be prophets, to be the one that hear from God and deliver the message that God's people need to hear, that the earth needs to hear. It's just that simple. Sound good? Hey, we ended four minutes early. Boom. I think. Maybe I'm 11 minutes late. I don't remember. I don't have a schedule. You guys dialed in? All right. What's it say? What time are we back here? You got a schedule. 10.30. All right. So I was, I was right, I think, maybe. So we're going to be back here at 10.30. You got an you 18-minute break? 17-minute break. All right. Let's get some coffee. Let's get some water. Let's hit the head. Let's talk to each other. Let's get back in here dialed in, ready to go. You sound good? Love you guys. Bless you guys.